Welcome to the COVID-19 Opinions Podcast by Jared Code featuring special guest Dr. Shannon Rizicki. What's your opinion on the amount of restrictions? So restrictions are very challenging for people in public health. So the most important thing to know about restrictions is that nothing is risk-free. So there's a risk to leaving things open and there's a risk to shutting things down. And we have to balance those risks. So in the same way, there are risks to wearing a seatbelt in a car and there are risks to not wearing a seatbelt in a car. When we shut things down, the risks are, for example, you're now doing homeschooling, right? Virtual classes. And there are risks to that or there are consequences. So you don't get to spend as much time with your friends. We don't know if the quality of your learning is as good. So there are risks there and there are risks to businesses. So smaller businesses can have like financial risks and they might be more likely to close down. So there are lots of risks to restrictions and then there are risks to remaining open. So those risks are obviously that more people will become sick, that the hospitals could become crowded and we wouldn't be able to take care of as many patients. And that includes patients with COVID and then patients with other health problems. So like when we had to Uh, reduce our surgeries. People who had non-COVID health problems that needed surgery were less likely to get the care that they needed. And then of course the risk is that people who get sick and then take a long time to recover. So there are those risks in both sides. And what's really hard for public health people and for the government and our leaders who need to decide how to balance those risks is that we actually don't know how big those risks are. So we don't always know how many people are going to die from COVID, we don't always know how many people are gonna have long-term side effects from COVID and we don't know how many necessary surgeries are gonna be canceled or postponed because of COVID. And then on the other hand, we don't know what the risks of you learning from home are. So we don't know, you know, how that's gonna impact your education and your classmates' education. We don't know how that's gonna impact your socialization and your development. And so With all of these unknowns, we don't always know how to balance the risks of restrictions and the risks of opening up. So one way to think of it is everything we keep open might result in more death. And so that's what we think about because to us, that's the worst outcome, right? So if we keep your schools open, how many lives are we trading to keep schools open? And how many lives should we trade? And so everybody's risk tolerance is different, Jared. So like, for example, you know, some people might say, you know, if we could keep all of the kids in school and like all of them in Alberta and all of them were to learn 100% and their social development and mental health was going to be really good, you know, that might be worth one person dying from COVID. And then there are some people say nobody should die. You know, the risks, kids are resilient, we should keep them out of school so we can save as many lives as possible. And so balancing those risks is really different for everybody. So, you know, you might have heard people on social media saying, well, it's just elderly people who are dying of COVID and those people were going to die anyways, we're all going to die anyways. But, you know, some people have said that. Um, And so we should not punish our kids when our elderly are at the end of their life. And there are some people who say that's absolutely bananas like how can you say that it's okay for these people to die when we're just asking people to inconvenience yourself and our leaders have to take into account everybody whereas individual people like yourself or your family or you know when you're just looking at one person 
you have to look at your risk, right? So you're saying the risk to you, Jared, of getting sick and dying from COVID is actually very low. It's possible and it might happen to people, you know, who are healthy in your age, but it's very unlikely. So your individual risk is quite low. So to you, your risk of suffering the consequences of restrictions, like from restricting things and locking things down is much greater than your risk of getting sick and dying. But the government can't say that, right? They're responsible for everybody in Alberta. Whereas, you know, to you as an individual, that risk imbalance is really, like the risk and consequences is quite, you know, favoring towards opening things up. But for the government, they have to look at everybody, right? And public health has to look at everybody. We're responsible for all Albertans. You know, so I think that the reason why people, and there's been such a debate about locking down versus restrictions versus keeping things open is because everybody is responsible for a different group. So, you know, we have individual citizens who, you know, the risk of, you know, one in a hundred of dying of COVID doesn't, you know, versus losing their business, that risk benefit ratio really favors opening up. But then for the government, if one in a hundred Albertans die, that's like a lot of people. That's like 400,000 people, right? So you can see how there's this disagreement. And then of course, everyone's risk tolerance is different, right, Jared? Like, I don't know. I I don't like the idea of trading 10 90-year-olds for your school year, but for you, you know, that might be different and it's not wrong. Nobody is wrong. It's just everybody is approaching this with different responsibilities and different risk tolerance. And unfortunately, like we can never know what would have happened if we did something different, right? So it isn't literally we're going to trade these 10 people's lives for your school year, right? We don't know, you know? So I think it's very, very hard. Uh, to, it's a hard job to do and there's no right answer. And I think that's why it's been very, very difficult for people and very controversial. With what were your, what you were saying about um, different people having divide among with the new decisions about the amounts of restrictions, I think we have to respect people's opinions, and also with that, with what you said about um, how important it is for your personal experiences, like what's happening with you, I think everyone. Even though we all have different opinions, we can all just try to follow the guidelines and restrictions that are given to us because they are put in a place for a reason to help us reduce the spread of COVID-19. So I think if we're all in this together and we all follow these restrictions, we can really limit hospitalizations and um, contact tracing will be a lot easier because if you follow those restrictions, they do not have to dig into, did you go to a party or stuff like that? And that could also help affect the health of your peers as you would have a lower or almost zero chance of giving them COVID-19 through transmission if you were following all the uh, new restrictions that uh, Premier Jason Kenney and Dr. Hinshaw have put in recently. Adding on to what you were saying about uh, how it's causing divide with the amount of restrictions, what do you think about how many there is? And do you think there should be more or less and why? In terms of the amount of restrictions that we have had and that we have today, it depends on if you're asking me as an individual citizen who lives in Alberta, if you're asking me as a physician, or if you're asking as a public health person. So as I kind of described previously, 
the amount of restrictions that you might favor is different depending on what your risk tolerance is and how you would value the risks of locking down versus the risks of staying open and those consequences. And then whether you're responsible just for yourself and your family, if you're responsible for your patients and your community, or if you're responsible for all of Alberta. And I, that's really difficult. So if I was an individual person, you know, I'm a mid thirties woman, I have no health problems. My risk of getting sick and dying from COVID is like less than 1%. So maybe one in 200 people just like me would get sick and pass away from COVID. Oh, thanks. Sorry, my husband just came in. Um, so my risk of dying is one in 200. So, you know, I might take that risk, but if you, you take, you know, 200. So I went to, let's say when I was in high school, there were something like 1200 people in my high school. That means in my high school, six people would have died. So would I take the chance of six people I went to high school with dying? When you put it that way, it's actually kind of higher, right? Like if you think of everybody in your school, how many people are there in your school? And you'd say like, okay, three or four people are gonna die from my school that I know. It kind of becomes a bit different. It sounds a bit higher, right? Like those are your classmates. But if I look at it as an individual, my odds are quite low. And then it depends on how much I value, you know, having no restrictions. So how much do I really like going to the gym or to the library? Or how much do I really hate wearing a mask? And actually for me personally, none of those things really bother me. Like, I don't mind wearing a mask. I don't mind just going for a jog or exercising my house. I don't own a small business. My finances haven't been impacted by the restrictions. And so for me personally, I think, you know, one in 200 of my peers, and that doesn't even account for, you know, my older family members or my family members who have illnesses. I think, you know, I would be okay with locking down more to save, you know, three or four of my, the people I went to high school with, right? Um, if as a physician, I really worry because I don't just care for healthy 30 year olds, right? I care for people who have cancer, people who have kidney disease or liver disease. And I think their risk of dying is actually a bit higher. And in my practice, I have about 500 patients who I see regularly who are all have medical problems. And I think, wow, if I lost like, you know, five or 10 of those people, I'd be really sad. You know, those people have beautiful lives. They have families that I know really well. And so I care about them. And then if I was a public health official and I look at all of Alberta and I think three to 5% of all Albertans would die, I think I would favor more restrictions for those reasons. But like I said, I don't own a small business. It doesn't bother me to wear a mask. I wear masks all the time at work, even before the pandemic. I was always wearing masks. It didn't bother me. And so, you know, I think it's really hard though. I understand completely why people would favor less restrictions. So like Jared, for example, yourself, like, you know, you're a young guy, you, I don't know, maybe you play sports or you do activities outside of school. You probably miss your friends. Like you've given up already a year of your life. That's like a significant portion of your life where you don't get to see your friends and all of these things for you as an individual, you have a low risk of getting sick or dying. And so I feel bad for you. Right. Or like, if you're a single person who lives alone in your thirties in Alberta, you're losing the opportunity to meet a partner, maybe have a family. If you just started a business the month before the pandemic and you'd been working on it for 10 years and now that's all fallen apart or had to change, like you're losing a lot. So I understand why people would favor fewer restrictions. 
I completely agree with what you were saying about the amount of restrictions and how you think you, there should be more. And I also think that because of the more people that are in the hospital, the that means that, that we need more restrictions. And with more restrictions, I think this will help limit the transmission of COVID-19 like you there's no way you can guarantee people aren't going to break the rules go like social gathering but if you do stronger restrictions you can restrict the people that are sort of following it to make it so that they are following it to help this the health of their peers the people around them and with more restrictions i also think that could help us limit like the transmission among like in stores and stuff like that so that would also be able after we have more restrictions we would be able to open up other places like stores malls small businesses stuff like that and help support those businesses if we're all following the guidelines making it so those people can support themselves and their families and we can all stay safe at the same time how do you think the government is handling COVID-19 in this pandemic overall? You know, I really feel for our governments and our leadership because this is obviously something nobody has done before. And so there's not a lot of guidance on what is the right decision, what is the wrong decision. And I think a lot of the concepts are really hard to understand. So if you're someone who is trained as a lawyer or as an economist or and then all of a sudden there's a pandemic where you need to understand biology and viral transmission and you need to understand public health and risk, which is really hard even for physicians. So like I did 15 years of post-secondary or after high school training and I had to do extra training in public health as well. So it's not like even in that 15 years, I learned all these things really hard. And we have people who have specialized in this and even at sometimes they disagreed on what was the right thing to do. And again, it comes down to, you know, what is your risk tolerance and who are you responsible for and how do you see those trade-offs? But I think that our governments were in a really difficult position because there is a lot of unknowns and it's really hard to make decisions when you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, that's what we needed them to do. So we relied on them. So I think some things that we've done really well is in Alberta, we had a pandemic responsiveness plan that we developed after SARS in Toronto. So we had a plan going into this. So that's why in Alberta, we really saw an increase in testing for COVID early on in the pandemic, like last year at this time, we had drive-through assessment centers. We had the ability to scale up our testing. And I think that was really helpful because diagnosing and then contact tracing people with COVID, I think really helped in the early waves. Um, I think other things that we did really well were listening to our public health officials. So our, our early lockdown, I think was a really good idea. At that time, we didn't know how sick people were gonna get and how fast, like we didn't know anything about the virus. And so as a physician, we were like, we didn't know anything. And we just had all these sick people. So we didn't know how bad things were gonna be. So I think that taking that early action was really good. I really liked that they paid people to stay home, like the CERB. Uh, and I think we do need paid sick days. And the reason for that is because if you're gonna tell people that they have to stay home for, and they're not able to work or support their families, 
And as a government, you're going to enforce that. You have to support people. You can't just say like, you have to stay home and I hope you had savings. Like that's, it's just really not fair to ask people to do that. So I think if you're going to enforce restrictions that impact people's ability to make a living, you have to then support them. And so I really was a fan of CERB when it started. Um, and so I think that it's a really difficult job and whether or not you agree with what the government is doing really depends on your personal viewpoints. Are you taking an individual viewpoint? Are you taking a Canada-wide perspective? Are you taking a global perspective? And then how do you weigh all those trade-offs? I agree with what you're saying about how you think uh, the government is handling COVID-19 overall. And I totally agree that the government has a responsibility to try to keep as many people safe as possible. And with them putting in more restrictions, I think that was a good idea. So overall, I think the government, like you think, is handling it quite actually good. Because with the recent outbreak in India, you saw how many cases there were. And if Canada keeps um, putting in more restrictions, like I have an opinion on, is more restrictions, it will help with the way that uh, COVID-19 transmission. And if you're looking big picture, the amount that uh, some other cases, some other countries had when they had large amount of case counts were actually quite a bit higher than Canada statistically, which makes it so that Canada had the advantage with the health system and the way that they had uh, implemented restrictions to try and keep small businesses running and keep it so people can continually support their families. What do you think of how much Canada is projected to spend on COVID-19, which is $322 billion? Clearly, that's a very big number, and I think it makes us all think of what are we getting for that money, right? So if I told you you had to spend... $322 billion on like a Slurpee, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. I'm not getting anything for that. But if I told you you had to spend $322 billion and I would give you like all of Europe, you'd be like, well, that's a great deal. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And so the amount of money in isolation is just a number, but like, what does that get us? What kind of value are we getting for that? And when I think about COVID, I think about the acute phase, like what we're going through right now. So are we going to get saved lives? Are we going to get less illness? Are we like, what are we getting for that money now? And then what are we getting for that money in the future? So how are they spending that money? Um, So this kind of acute phase, we need to, obviously we need to pay people if they need to stay home. We need to support people so they don't starve if they're not able to, you know, work or their businesses are closed, right? Because we can't have people starving to death during a pandemic or losing their houses, right? So some of that money will go to supporting people who's, who need to be financially supported. I think that's important. A lot of that money will go to supporting the healthcare system. So for example, uh, in the hospitals that I work at, we usually have three physicians taking care of about 60 to 70 sick patients at a time. So I would be taking care of about 20, 25 patients per day. And I have two colleagues and they look after 20 to 25 patients per day in the hospital on our unit. But right now we have six physicians taking care of 20 patients each in my hospital. 
So double the amount of physicians. And then we have an overnight physician who's helping out because we don't have enough overnight people. So that's four extra physicians at a time. So you have to, that's like for the whole year. So, right, if you think about how much an internist like myself would get paid, you now paying that four times. And then you have to pay for more nurses. And then we're using more supplies, right? So you've, you know, more than doubled the usual expenses for the hospitalizations. So, and, you know, there's nothing really to do about that. You can't just say like, okay, well, this is pretty expensive. So go home to, you know, fend for yourself, right? So that's expensive. And I think we need to pay for that. So that is what it is. So those are the acute things. And then there are the things that we're paying for right now that we're hoping will pay off in the future. So examples of that would be like vaccinations. So we have to buy the vaccines and we're not charging people for those. I think that's a good deal, right? Because that's how we get out of this mess, hopefully, right? Is the vaccinations. Um, they're paying for research for people to develop new cures and new treatments um, and to understand how the pandemic is affecting people. So the idea is that that is an investment in future situations like this. We'll better understand or we'll better be equipped to develop our own vaccines or whatever, right? So we'll know more for next time. So next time we're making these decisions, we'll have better information. So that's an investment in the future. So that part of the billion dollars is not going to pay off today and save lives and less starving Canadians. And then there's where they're paying people or giving tax breaks to businesses to keep them open with the idea that in two years, just because you own a restaurant today, your livelihood and everything you've built into that restaurant, for example, hasn't been destroyed. So that's another investment in the future. So I think it sounds like a lot of money, but we need to think about what are we getting for that money? Like, what are we spending that on? Because like, right? Like some things you'd say, well, we're not getting a lot of value out of that. And some things you say, well, we kind of have to spend that, right? Like, Jared, if you need medical treatment, you come to the hospital today and I need to get another internist or another doctor to come take care of you. Like, that's a good trade. Like, what are we going to do, Jared? We got to save your life right? You'd say, lots well, of great value. My life is worth $322 billion, Shannon. And I'd say, yeah, I think it is. I'd pay $322 billion for you and your classmates, Jared. With what you're saying about Canada's projected budget for COVID-19, um, I think with the little things that you see, like uh, education, keeping small business open, I think the little things that they are trying to do to help improve that kind of thing is really helping with the trying not to, uh, like, spend too much money. But, like, eventually you're going to have to spend money to stop stuff. For example, they're paying for the vaccines, but people who are receiving them aren't. So that's a lot of money. And then looking long term, like I just previously mentioned, with the vaccines... That can have a large effect on people because people not having to pay for vaccines is huge because some people may want to save their money for, like, in case this happens again. So they have some savings to fall back on in case, like, they get let off or something like that. And this is also good for small business owner owners because there's COVID-19 relief money, the program that... The uh, government of Alberta and Canada just sent out, which would help support people in uh, Canada to support their families and their co-workers and keep everyone safe. What do you think Canada is doing good to handle the pandemic? 
Um, I think things that we have done well were having the pandemic responsiveness plan in Alberta and the early testing. I think the daily updates are good because people want to hear that information. I think things that would be really important are for people to understand why we disagree about like what's going on. So, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion about, you know, should we have to wear masks or should we not have to wear masks? Should the mall be open or should the mall be closed? Should there be a rodeo or no rodeo? Can I have my friends over or not? And, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion and people disagreeing about whether or not those things should be happening or not. Should we be spending this money or not spending this money? And, you know, it's okay for people to disagree about these things. Like the reasons that we disagree are because we're all different people and we all take a different perspective. So like I take a perspective of all of the people in Alberta and how many deaths is acceptable to keep them all open. And that's what I think about. And like, how bad is it really to wear a mask versus I know that if I could save one life, just wearing a mask or contribute to that, I think, Hey, that's pretty good. That's the perspective I take because I've been like, I'm, that's what I'm responsible for, right? Like I'm a physician, I'm a doctor. I have to take care of you guys. Right. So that's what I think about. But if I was, you know, living by myself as a mid thirties woman with no family and I've been for a year just sitting in my apartment, I would take a different perspective like there, and there's nothing wrong with that. I would take the perspective that I'm unlikely to get sick and die from this. So why are you asking me to sacrifice my potential to have a family, my ability to have fun, like a year of my life, like having an income and like maybe for you, Jared, like, you know, you have to give up like your development in sports or like, you know, some of the best years of your life, like some of the funnest times, right? Like you guys are all going in junior high, high school, you're probably having like the time of your lives and now you're not allowed to do anything fun. So I think, that we need to acknowledge that the reason that we disagree is not because someone who thinks you should go to the rodeo is dumb and I'm really smart and, you know, we're fighting about that and they think I'm trying to take away their freedom and like, you know, we're having all these fights and we're yelling at each other. But the reason we disagree about this is because there's no right answer, right? Like how do you, how is there a right answer here? There isn't. And so we're going to disagree because we all have different values. We're responsible for different things. Some of us are giving up more. Some of us are giving up less. Some of us have more personal risk of dying or our family's dying. Some of us have less risk, you know, and some of us have to have to because of our jobs or whatever, take the perspective of how many people in Alberta am I responsible for saving their lives or keeping them safe? And some of the people, they're only responsible for themselves and, and that's okay too. And so I think that what we could all do better in the pandemic is to better understand each other's perspectives and just to agree, like we cannot disagree and our leadership is responsible for everybody because there are government, there are public health. And so sometimes we're going to disagree with what they're asking us to do because our own personal values are different and that's okay. But we have to get through this as a country. Like we can't take it. Not everybody can take an individual perspective, right? Like imagine if I was like, you know what? I don't want to get COVID. I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to go to the hospital and work. I don't want to get COVID. Like as a physician, if we all did that, we must be in a lot of trouble, right? Like I don't want to walk into the Foothills Medical Center. Everybody has COVID there, but you know, I'm a low risk of dying. I know how to use personal protective equipment. I got vaccinated. It's my job. Like I, I've committed to doing that. Right. You guys give me, you give me taxpayer dollars to walk into this dangerous place. Right. So, you know, and that's why we disagree. 
and it's okay to disagree, but we should be respectful of each other. We should try to not be name calling each other and be mean. I also agree with what you're saying about how uh, Canada is handling the pandemic, as I think they're handling it quite nicely as um, other groups such as like uh, the U.S. or stuff like that. They are not putting as much restrictions, and you can see it in the case numbers. As long they are getting more vaccines, yes, because Pfizer is being created there, which gives them the priority with it. But um, if you look at uh, the case numbers and if you compared vaccinations, they are doing better in vaccinations, as I previously mentioned, because of Pfizer's being created there and they are getting top priority. And this also leads me to think that um, Canada has been handling it actually very well compared to other countries. And Canada is also doing good to handle the pandemic by putting in restrictions as they're needed, not putting them in before they're needed, not putting them way after. They're putting as soon as they see the change and that they need the change to more restrictions, they're adding them to try to reduce transmission and reduce risk among the communities. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to add on to what you were previously saying? You know, for me, as a doctor, as someone who's trained in public health and someone who, who lives here, um, I think that people are really frustrated, especially when they don't understand how and why certain decisions are being made. And, you know, I've said this a million times, but it's really okay to disagree with some things that you're being asked to do or told not to do or things you think you might do differently. Like I have a lot of friends who think our restrictions should be a lot tighter and that's because they go to the hospital every day and they see so much suffering. And I have lots of friends who think restrictions should be a lot looser because um, they're young, they're healthy, and they think that, you know, it, the risk to them is low. And all of those things are valid and it's all good. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of that. What I really hope is that people would do their best to do the little things right. So we we don't need to be perfect and I don't need everybody to, you know, stay at home and never see anybody else and get their groceries delivered and like live like a little hermit, right? Like it's not healthy. It can't be done for a long period of time. But if you are going to socialize and you are going to see your friends and you're going to play sports or like whatever you're going to do, or you're going to go to the mall, doing the little things that really don't cost you a lot, like wearing a mask, washing your hands, trying to stay away from other people, being kind to people who ask you to stand back or put a mask on. Like, you know, if you go to a restaurant and your server asks you to like, please like put on a mask or whatever, you know, being kind to those people and doing those little things that don't cost you very much well, I think you know, it reduces the harm and it reduces the risk, but it still allows you to do some things. So, you know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing response, right? Like you don't need to stay at home and do nothing. You don't need to like go out and like be like spitting your droplets and your COVID everywhere, you know, coughing in people's faces. Like we could find a happy medium where we do what we're going to do, but we just like, you know, wash our hands, wear a mask, stay away from other people, like the easy things, I think, that would be very helpful. So like, if you need to go to the rodeo, like you just need to, it's very important to you, just like wear a mask, like stay away from other people. Like, you know, we don't need to just be so opposite all the time, you know? Do you know what I mean, Jared? Like, wouldn't that be great? 
Like, you might want to go see your friends. You're not supposed to, but, like, you're going to go see them. Like, go outside. Wear a mask. Kind of stay back from them if you can. Like, try not to, like, share a popsicle, you know? Like, that kind of stuff. Just, like, the little things right, I think, would go a long way. Also, a thing I would like to add on to uh, finish off this podcast is how much... uh, People are arguing with each other about more restrictions, less restrictions. Should I get the vaccine? Should I not get the vaccine? This is how you, like, have to respect people's opinions. If they want more restrictions, sure. Let them think that there should be more restrictions. We have to respect people's opinions as it's their right that they can have their own opinions and beliefs about a certain subject, which it is right now. What we're talking about is COVID-19. And this makes it so a lot of people are divided with different groups. And we just all got to think about uh, other people's opinions and allow them to think that, not fight with them, but it's okay to disagree, but disagree in a kind way. Uh, Thank you for listening to my podcast. Please tune in for some more. All right. Thank you.